0: Welcome to the Afternoon Show, and happy Monday. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. hope your weekend was good, and I hope you had uh, a nice time with family and church and friends and everything else you had going on this weekend. It is awfully nice to uh, start my Mondays with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese, who will be joining me in just a minute, and the minute's up. Patrick, welcome. (laughs) Wait a minute. You know, that
1: inflation hits everything. It does.
0: It does. So, I
1: know. I just got in the mail today. I got, I got a copy. I said, is this a typo? It says 301K. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it is. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I have to say, you have a pretty good memory. I, I have to say, your memory's good. And I don't know if you use any devices like a uh, mnemonic device. Of course, the M is silent in the word mnemonic. Uh, yes. But let me just uh, try out this for uh, for an exercise. Do you know what this means? King Philip came over for good spaghetti.
1: Oh my! That's from a commercial.
0: No, uh, no, it's, it's not. It's a, it's oh, a mnemonic. God. It's it's a way oh, to.
1: Oh, King Philip. Okay, wait. King Philip came over for spaghetti for good spaghetti. King Philip for good spaghetti. So yeah. King King Philip K P C O G
0: S. Yeah. Now let me just uh, give you a little help here because I've got another yeah. one for you. It is the way you learn the levels of biological classification. So kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, and species.
1: Yeah, I I skipped that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I remember Roy G. Biv.
0: Roy G. Biv, yeah. Those are the colors in a rainbow or prism.
1: So the Roy G. Biv
0: is red, orange, Orange. yellow. That's Roy. G would be green. Biv would be blue.
1: Indigo and violet. Which, by the way, I said, wait a minute, indigo and violet, those are the same color, aren't they?
0: <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> in, my,
1: in my box of Crayolas, indigo and violet were very interchangeable.
0: Yeah, very interchangeable. Yeah. How about this oh, yeah. one, Patrick? Uh, my very educated mother just served us noodles.
1: Oh, those are the planets. The planets, but, indeed. But Mine was uh, just served us nine pickles. Well uh, yeah, uh, that's because
0: uh, Pluto prior to 2006 was the ninth planet in the solar system, but they've booted that one. And so yeah. I, rem- I remember my very eager mother just served us nine pizzas. You remembered pickles.
1: Yeah, and pickles is a funnier uh, word. I think pickles is a funnier word, makes it easier to remember. And I, that, for that reason alone, I can't give up Pluto as a planet. I just haven't given up on it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is
0: interesting the way our brain works, and it's also uh, really helpful if you use uh, mnemonics once in a while. Like the famous one for uh, prayer is, is the acronym for ACTS, uh, A-C-T-S, of course, and the A stands for adoration. The C stands for confession. The the T stands for thanksgiving. And the S stands for supplication. So if you go to God in prayer and you just remember Acts, you think, I want to start with adoration. I want to just spend time opening up in adoration to God as my Lord and Savior and creator and sovereign over all the world. And then you walk into a time of confession where you confess your sins and then you go to Thanksgiving where you spend a lot of time there, hopefully giving him uh, Thanksgiving and gratitude for everything that he has done in your life and is doing in your life. And then you get to the big S word, which is supplication. And we think of that more as asking petitions. And I, I love the order that you don't come out with the petitions, but you start with the adoration, the confession, the Thanksgiving, and then you ask for your request.
1: Yeah. I mean, we do the same thing with our parents. We used to try to butter them up a little bit, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it's not because of I, – I and it isn't about buttering up, up, up God, of course. It's uh, I, I've always liked that you need to start with, hang on a second, you know, who's in charge here? And I have to be so grateful for everything I already have. I have to – you know, I, I like to remember – that no matter what's going on and no matter how bad things are, there are there's, you've been given this wonderful gift of life to begin with. And I don't think you can ever stop thanking God for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me uh, quote something, Our the radio host Dennis Prager. I know we both like Dennis Prager. But he Ooh. said this, Yes, there is a secret to happiness, and it is gratitude. He said, yes. All happy people are grateful, and ungrateful people cannot be happy. We tend to think that it is being unhappy that leads people to complain but it is truer to say that it is
1: complaining that leads to
0: people becoming unhappy
1: yeah well i mean have we not all met you know the occasional person in life who say i don't think that person can be made happy yeah yeah you well know, it's, it's uh, yeah and i think that the art of the complain cuz you know that i often try to distinguish between you know the people who do the the humble bragging like, oh, golly, you guys, this is so nice of you to give me this award 10 years in a row. You know, and the, the, what I like to call the grumble flaunt, which is you find a way to complain about, you would think when you're spending $250,000 a year to send your kid to Harvard, that they would at least get a decent meal and maid service, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes, but that's you know, it's it, it's funny we're we're couching our good fortune in a complaint, and sometimes I've I've caught myself doing it where and I say, okay, what is what is my goal here? Is is it, am I really complaining or am I actually trying to brag? And why can't I just leave it be? Yeah. And just say, I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful. Yeah. A little upset about the maid service, <laughs> of course, but grateful. Yeah.
0: And Prager's quote ends with this. Become grateful, and you will become a much happier person
1: it's true i i, I don't know, you know i I don't know if most people, once they try it, could go back I, I think you you, you know you, you start to realize wait i, I don't even know if much of my life has changed, so why am I happier now, even though it seems like my situation and conditions haven't changed all that much. Um, you, you know, I, I'm sure you've done this yourself uh, at times when you're having one of those low moments in life. Uh, did your mother ever, ever say, you know, what you need to do is uh, go volunteer at the church? You know, oh. they got the big old pancake breakfast. And you say, eh, <laughs> I don't really feel like pancakes. And she says, no, 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 don't eat them. I want you to go serve them. Right. And you come out of that experience and you say, I, I was feeling sorry for myself. Then I went and I helped other people. hmm. And I think gratitude works in a very similar fashion.
0: It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's always a great topic to talk about. I want to go back to the brain just temporarily because uh, I wondered if you've ever heard of the PEG method for remembering sequenced information. The PEG Uh, method. Now, is this invented by Harry Lorraine? uh, It might be. Might be. It It requires that you memorize this list. Yes. Okay. So one is bun, two is shoe, three is tree, Four is door, five is hive, six is sticks, seven is heaven, eight is gate, nine is vine, ten is hen. So then as you are trying to remember something, you simply insert what it is you're trying to remember into these objects. And you can instantly have a paired association and you can think, okay, bun. Ooh, I see uh, the tickets to the game in the bun instead of the meat. So I got to remember to get the tickets.
1: I do. Yeah. Uh, um, I do know this. Okay. Yeah, I remember, and I think that is, I believe it actually was, Harry Lorraine, because he had, you know, other memory mnemonics like that, you know, for remembering people's names. And, you know, it would they have an example like, you know, if you meet a guy named Mr. Bird, you know, just every time you see his face, you transform it into a bird. And this works really great when people have bird-type names. <laughs> <laughs> But I am not an ornithologist. So I yeah. start, you know, it's like I, if I can, I can meet a room full of people, here's Mr. Oriole, here's Mr. Cardinal. You know. <laughs> yeah. But I remember the PEG method. Yeah. Um, although, you know, sometimes for me, the the difficulty in remembering the PEG method is like I needed something to hang that on. <laughs> right. Right.
0: Because you got to remember the I, PEG method.
1: You've got all this extra structure there. But it does work. It does work, especially if you have to remember random things. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, uh, do you know uh, what year the Magna Carta was signed?
0: Uh, I'm going to say 1971.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> no, that was the that was way the revised edition was. <laughs> okay. No, that was, oh, that was the director's card. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, when 12-15. was the Magna Carta signed?
1: 1215. So uh, in school, 12-15 I think 1215 in much. the afternoon or what? Well, yeah, that's exactly right. You're twelve 1215, you were 1215 in the afternoon. Okay. These guys just finished a delicious lunch. They're having a cup of tea. What shall we do? <laughs> Let's sign the Magna Carta. <laughs> and I dare anybody listening to forget that the Magna Carta was signed in 1215 now.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And just to get back to Harry Lorraine, uh, who it was known as the world's foremost memory training expert, he is still alive. He's 96 years old.
1: Yes. And I, uh, I know a guy that knows him and says that he's still sharp as can be, other than calling him Mr. Bird all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what does that say about how important it is to exercise our mind and to, and to often do little exercises like this that we're just chatting about today and having fun with yeah. uh, to keep sharp?
1: Well, that actually, speaking of Harry Lorraine, since we are, I believe that is his, his big philosophy, why he works so hard on that stuff. He thinks that, you know, that you can continue, I believe, even getting into your older years to still build the neural pathways in the brain. Yes. And you just don't want you not only do you not want things to atrophy, but you want to continually keep challenging the brain to have to figure things out because it's part if you don't use it, you lose it, I believe. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I I think, part uh, the brain just says, "Eh, I guess we're not doing this anymore. And, you know, I know I've. Given my Gus and Joe explanation of how the brain works, when you want information, the older you get, the more information you accumulate. It's a giant Amazon warehouse full of info, and stuff you don't use a lot, it shoves to the back of the warehouse and says "rarely seen." Right. You know, it takes a long time to recall some of that information.
0: Yeah, and it's there, but it just takes a long time. And if you if you play little games with yourself, where you think of of people from your past, and you go. Okay, what was that person's wife's name? What were their kids' names? And if and if you find yourself unable to come up with it, uh, over time, you know, in the next couple of days, you'll probably get it because yeah. you just you got to get it back on the radar.
1: Well, do you, uh, the I'm sure you've heard the story about the the famous uh, orators of the past, uh, who uh, it's where some of our phrases like in the first place, in the second place, when uh, giving a speech, the way that they used to memorize a speech since they didn't have iPads. Or teleprompters. Uh, or teleprompters. Uh, they would they would associate parts of the speech with parts of their house. They would take a visual walkthrough, and they'd yep. say, when I'm in the living room, you know, this is where I give this portion of the speech. Yep. And so it was in the first place, in the second place, and they'd move around their house visually
0: yep. and remember chunks of their speech. And they would they would know well what first place was in their house. That was the living room. Second place would be the dining room. Third place would be the kitchen. So they, yep. they had that so well uh, memorized that when they said, Uh, going to the next place, and they can see themselves walking from the living room to the dining room, and then they remember what they're supposed to talk about when they're in the dining room.
1: Yeah, yeah, and also that's why so many speeches back then would have this inserted phrase that says, hey, who put that there? (laughs) (laughs) All right, let me take a little break. You're listening to
0: Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, and he lives in the prestigious town of West Des Moines. I would love, Rosie, if you wouldn't mind, a little banjo music to take us to break.
2: What would you do with a brain if you had one?
0: Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could, I could while away the hours, confirm and with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. That theme song belonged to Patrick Albanese. I'm so glad that he is joining me today. And, Patrick, I, I, I can't, I can't remember what we were talking about.
1: Uh, something about memory. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, my mom used to do that, by the way. You know, it was always my joke with her. She never saw it coming, so uh, <laughs> it was, which was always fun. She, you know, she would occasionally do the. Oh, you yeah, know, my memory isn't what it used to be, and I would always say, "How do you know?" <laughs> <laughs> what would be her reply to that? She would just laugh at me. Uh, oh, it's a great, great. Goes, yeah, I should have seen that's right. That's how would I know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> But, but uh, yeah, memory. We were talking about memory. Yeah, we were talking about memory. And when you think of memorizing verses, and I think the earlier in life you learn them, the more you retain them later in life. Not that your your brain doesn't have the same plasticity it, it, it did, but it doesn't. So yeah. if you're learning scripture or memorizing scripture, and I highly recommend you do it, be patient with yourself and just understand. It might take a little bit longer. And I would say write them on three-by-five cards Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, have those cards in multiple locations, maybe have it on your phone so you can uh, easily get to that verse that you're learning. And I think over time, if you're patient, you'll get any verse down that you want to.
1: Well, so uh, I'll get uh, an acting job, believe it or not. I don't know why, but I get them, you know. And I, I might have a day to memorize two paragraphs. So I there's an old trick, and I used to use this, and this this could work for Bible verses too, uh, where you know I'd read through it a couple times, and I would take the first letter of each word, and I'd write that on a three-by-five card. Mm-hmm. And then I would be surprised. I could look at that card, and I would know what word each letter represented. And, I, and, and so pretty soon you've got it. I've, I've got – I think I still have a uh, monologue from 10 years ago in my head. Here, let me see if I can do it. K-V-R-T-W-L. That's the the first line. I don't know what the words are. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, it actually does work. And And, it is actually a good way to memorize uh, a Bible passage. You'd be surprised how much information your brain can retain from just seeing that first letter after you've read through the passage a few times.
0: Yeah, and then, Patrick, once in a while, the first four or five letters will spell maybe an unusual word. Maybe it'll spell the word... Link L-I-N-C, and you go, okay, now I, I easily can remember that word, and I can remember each word of L-I-N-C.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, I, I'm a huge fan of the mnemonics.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm too. I'm too. Yeah. They're, they're very helpful. And if you just uh, joined us, Patrick Albanese is my guest, and we're talking about ways to improve your memory. There are plenty of uh, mnemonic devices out there if you have trouble remembering stuff. It seems that... Um, that men misplace stuff more easily than women do. Do you think that's true, Patrick?
1: Well, it might be true. I mean, I have no idea if my wife is moving my stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she could be cleaning up, and then all of a sudden you think, where's my stuff, right?
1: Yeah, we do have this conversation a lot, and uh, but I'm beginning to wonder if it's definitely a guy thing, because my son can misplace stuff at an alarming rate. And, you know, uh, I mean, we come home, I think it was like, you know, we finally got him a cell phone. We had to talk him into it. At 12 years old, it's like, please get a phone. Your mom and dad want to talk to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We want to be able to text you.
1: Yeah, we want to be able to, you know, see where you are and, uh, you know, you can contact us. And, uh, you know, I think we walk in the door and I I want to put the, you know, we ordered a case and it's got the glass protector. And that comes and uh, I say, well, where's the phone? I don't know. I, he's looking all over his room. I go, okay, well, where's the glass protector? I don't know. So huh. We just got this stuff. We just walked in the door with this stuff. <laughs> and you spend 10 minutes. Now, that's me. I uh, I'm, I wish I were neater mm-hmm. because if I had less, I had fewer items out, uh, I couldn't misplace as many of them. Mm-hmm. Do lose them. Is that, is that just a guy thing, a brain thing?
0: I, I don't know if it's a brain thing. There, there's organizational systems that people have for remembering where stuff goes. If you've got a a key rack when you walk in the door, keys always go there. And if you, if you stay to that system, they should always be on the rack. And I I have this tendency of buying some of those, uh, locator tags for stuff because I go, well, I'll probably lose it. But if I have one of those tags on it, I should be able to find it.
1: Yeah, I bought some of those tags. I mean, I can't find them,
0: <laughs> and they and they haven't been activated yet. So you're really out. You're out like fifty I am, bucks, aren't you?
1: Yeah, you know, I, my mother used to have this. Uh, if we were any closer, it would have jumped up and bit you. And uh, I would say, I wish it would have. It would have saved me some serious time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love lies like that where you know somebody says that they they broke their leg on skiing on the last run of the day. Of course, it was the last run
1: of the day. <laughs> wow, because they they were busy taking a, you to I, the hospital. I skied three more runs before I <laughs> get into my broken leg. <laughs> oh, that's very funny. Yeah, I I, I still love the the uh, the old sayings that you know you know Grandma always had a bunch of them, and you'd say, "I don't even know what that means," but I love it.
0: I know, I know. I know. They're, they had so much innocence to them, and you never quite understood exactly what they meant, but you loved hearing it.
1: Yeah, they were. some of them were noggin scratchers. You know, Grandma would say something like, it don't make no never mind to me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you care. I don't know anything. It don't make no never mind mm-hmm. to
2: me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> good, good gr- grammar, Grandma, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, uh, my family was not necessarily great on the grammar. We did a lot of things improperly, and I think it was third grade where the teacher finally convinced me that there was no R in the word Washington because uh, we were Washington people. Washington, and then you would wash your clothes, wouldn't you? We would wash our clothes, and I. It might have been a parent-teacher conference where they finally said to my mom, "Look, you got to fix this <laughs> 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 we we noticed it comes from you." And we met Grandma. It definitely comes from your side of the family. But, uh, you know, educate your kids, please. Yeah. yeah,
0: and you did. You did get that out of your system eventually, didn't you?
1: I uh, I did. I did. I have washed it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, how how good are you with uh, remembering names? I think you know people say, "Oh, well, I'm really bad at remembering names," and I think because in the moment, you have either a little bit of anxiety or you're more interested in presenting yourself in your name than you are remembering the name of the person. Yes. Is there you and, think there's a theory there that we can uh, discuss?
1: Yeah, I do because, um, you know, it, what was it you're supposed to say a, a name a bunch of times in a row? Um, unfortunately, my observation is this that, you know, trying to activate that part of the memory turns off the current act of listening. And I realize that I'm now going to miss different information. True. So somebody comes up and says, hey, my name's Gregory, uh, and I would like to give you a million dollars if you can answer this one question. <laughs> now, what's the important piece of info you want to recall from that opening statement?
0: It better be Gregory. Gregory? No, it better be Gregory, because if you're up for a million bucks, you want to know who is making the offer.
1: And who you write the thank you note to. Right, exactly. Yeah, But, uh, you know, so a lot of times it isn't somebody says, my name's Greg. I'll just let that sink in for a second, and then we'll continue our conversation. I like that, yeah. Yeah, so for me, I find that, yes, it can be me saying, oh, what am I going to say to this person? I actually know who this Gregory guy is, and I'm a big fan of his, and I don't want to look kind of silly, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I think you're the most brilliant person in the world. And I would love to sit down and pick your brain for a while. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can, in my head, I know I can move on to what am I going to say. But a lot of times I can also move to the point where I want to get everything Gregory is saying in. And and what do they say, that your brain can only handle like seven chunks of information at a time before it starts, you know, ejecting them out like a Pez container. Right. (laughs) And uh, it's it's one of the reasons why I break phone numbers into, you know, like, Uh, five chunks instead of seven. Yeah, exactly. Seven numbers. I I take the last two and uh, I turn them into two two two-digit numbers, and I believe it actually helps.
0: Yeah. All right. Patrick, thanks for joining. Have a great rest of the day. Hey, thanks. I will remember to call you next week. I hope so. All right. We'll take a short break and be right back. And it is time for the Monday afternoon mix. Mix, mix, mix. Mix, mix, mix. mix. Yeah, it's time. What's (laughs) up? What's up? I love it. What's up, my peeps? David Miles, Rosie B. Yes. How are we? doing well not to mention we have a special guest in the studio that we haven't introduced yet but we will time permitting yes because you know we get on a roll
2: we we may not have time to bring him in i know
3: i'm looking at him sorry your mic's not even on yet my goodness
2: that's okay well i don't know if this is a good or bad thing but without this next gentleman i wouldn't even be here i mean yes (laughs) jesus is why i'm here okay but because of just the incredible man of god and leader that he is and as things began to grow there was a need for one of the roles that he was doing and I was asked to come and the Lord opened the door. And so,
0: we, Pastor David Miles, please do the honor of welcoming our very special guest in studio.
2: I want to introduce you guys all to Pastor Pablo Cachon, who is the Latino minister at, and pastor at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and uh, has been a leader both nationally, globally, in a lot of just different ways. And I've been looking forward to this. So, Pablo, so glad to have you on today.
4: It is quite an honor to be here with everyone here and just to share a little bit of background, but also share what God's doing, uh, not just locally, but throughout the nation and even around the world.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So uh, we're is, off to a good start. We are. Yeah. And so how does, you know, I mean, like, tell us a little bit, where are you from? Like, how'd you end up in like Minnesota? Yeah.
4: Everyone I meet in Minnesota always ask me, how did you end up in Minnesota? And I say my boss, and they they always respond to me, your boss must love you. And I say, <laughs> you have no idea how much my boss really loves me. And he has a great sense of humor. So that's how I ended up in Minnesota. But I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. I'm a Southern California kid um, that grew up in the streets of Los Angeles, literally five minutes west of the Staples Center. Well, today we call it the Staples Center before mm-hmm uh the Lakers actually became tenants there. But anyways, um met my wife in ninety one and uh we dated a couple of years, married in ninety four, have three beautiful uh young adult childs, uh boys, awesome. boys, so um and uh just actually uh this October first my wife and I celebrated 20, 28 years of being married. Ah. So um yeah it's been quite a journey ministry wise. Uh, we met in a Bible Institute. We called it Bridal Institute, but it's a Bible Institute. <laughs> I
2: promise. <laughs> I promise yeah, it's a, a, by it's spring. a Bible. We we did study the Bible. I usually do
4: the comedy on the show,
2: just yeah. so you know, Bob. I was going to say, my, my roommate in college, his sister went to a school, and she said it was a Ring by Springer, your money back.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, I mean, ah, that's big. that's a great one so so she and i uh, that's her name, so she and i uh we met in Bible um, Institute and uh ended up marrying after she graduated um God's been great to us I uh, was able to start a construction company uh god uh just um, out of uh, his good w- goodness uh retired me when I was thirty five to go plant a church. And uh, did that, God was faithful there. we saw some exponential uh, kingdom impact, and I planted a second church and I finished that in two thousand and twelve and in two thousand and thirteen, New Hope Church invited me to come and implement the initiative that we call life groups or our small group ministry, and uh, was doing that for a number of years and started seeing exponential growth in that, and then um, also took care of a Latino community and The story is continually growing.
2: Yeah, he just kind of says, like, took care of the Latino community.
3: (laughs) That was my my question. Like, what does that mean?
2: Yeah. You took care of.
3: That sounds like it's much broader than a simple sentence. Yes,
2: much broader. He was definitely doing the work of uh, many, you know, overseeing this growing, thriving life group ministry and then this growing Latino ministry, as well as being a leader in the Twin Cities uh, with other Latino churches and um, You know, just a consummate leader, served on the board of directors for the Evangelical Free Church of America, among other things. And so when he's like, you know, this, there's this, you know, community that's, you know, it's, it's like saying an Airbus 380. It's just like a Cessna jet when it's huge.
4: Actually, David, you know, um not that I wasn't too busy then, too, but I also went back to start doing my undergraduate work. And, um, then I also, uh, just this year I completed my seminary work with my MDiv. So it's like if God didn't have a full plate for me, um, by his grace I was able to accomplish these additional things with the help of my wife and the support of my, my three sons.
0: Well, I'm super interested, Pablo, what's happening in the Latino community and, uh, what the spiritual response is to the gospel.
4: Yeah, that's a very, um, Complicated uh, uh, question there with many, many layers. Um, The way I like to tell the story is using the word migration. Because migration is not just of a people group. It's the story of humankind. Mm
2: -hmm. And
4: uh, even throughout the pages of Genesis, you read about this movement of God and uh, the calling of people for specific tasks to move to specific locations and that's been the ongoing uh, story, even as into the 21st century. Uh Even I, I was reading just not just specific with Latinos, but the story of humankind, anthropology, and just to uh, see how people have been even moving as recent as mass migration from New York to Florida or California to Texas, or just uh, people from the Southern sphere of our country into the Northern sphere of our country. And so, Minnesota has benefited, uh, from a lot of migration into this, and not just to mention a whole bunch of refugees from, from the Middle Eastern countries, but, you know, or so, so the story of Latinos, it's a very complex one, but I think it, it, it's bathed in that whole movement, not just of what God's doing and, and the gospel and the response to the gospel, um, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. It's very exciting. Now, now I had mentioned that, uh, Starting September 6th, uh, 15th, we started this National Hispanic Heritage Month uh, that the U.S. government in 68 through the Johnson administration, they identified, and it wasn't uh, cemented until Ronald Reagan in the 80s uh, said, okay, we're going to extend this to a whole month instead of just one day. And so we've seen that progressive growth of awareness and, and excitement for the diversity and the celebration of Hispanics or Latinos across the whole entire United States.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's really powerful on the whole part of migration and moving people to various places. And as you said, like God moved Abram, you know, from where he was at and brought him into the promised land, you know, great migration. I mean, like, you know, the part of the country that most of our uh, listening families from here in the Midwest, a number of people came from Western and Central and Eastern Europe here. And so you see this in, incredible thing. And, you know, Pablo, you, this might be a, a familiar story. Um, um, I remember being in a, in a life group when I was at another church I was serving at and had a young gal who was in our group, her and her sister and her mom, and she was Peruvian. And she had come to the States and one day she was on uh, as a customer service agent on a call and there was another woman on the other end and just began talking to her and just kind of stopped and asked her a couple of questions and then shared the gospel with her. This gal comes to faith in Christ, leads her mom to Christ and leads her sister to Christ. And I mean, it was just, and she was just such an incredible you know, lover of Jesus and just had such a heart for people. Um, but that was part of that being brought from a, a, another part of the world here for someone to connect with them and see this person become a brother and sister in Christ.
4: Yeah, for sure. And I, I've even witnessed as recent as just a couple months ago, uh, through our prayer ministry at, at New Hope Church, how our Caucasian brothers, our African brothers, our Latino community have, have just really just synergize around prayer mm. and um, technology. The internet has reached out as far places as South America, where we had a lady who we, we don't know if she's a believer or not. She was connected to somebody in our Latino community who had her mom in a coma and she res- receives a divine miracle of coming out of the uh, out of coma after a, a, a intentional intensive prayer session by the community and prayers of, of just not, again, Latinos, Africans, Caucasians, just rallying together, praying for God's mercy and his hand to demonstrate just grace and goodness. And we get this testimony hmm. uh, from a lady just saying, thank you. You know, I, you guys don't know me. I don't know you guys. But here's the response to your prayer. Here, here's the answer to you. What a great testimony of God's goodness. It sounds like the way God wanted us to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Pa-
0: Pablo Cachon. Cachon? Cachon. Cachon. I knew I was going to mess that up, <laughs> but I won't mess it up again. Pablo it, Cachon. Okay. It's okay. You owe
4: me some coffee now.
0: I do owe you coffee. <laughs> 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 and we're talking about the impact of the gospel in the Latino community. And it's an interesting story. You've come from Los Angeles. You're here in the Twin Cities now. And so you're dealing with... um a pretty significant lifestyle change. I don't know. How many years have you been here?
4: Uh Nine years now.
0: Nine. So you're used to it. And you know what it's called winter.
4: Yeah. Coming uh, from somewhat, Los Angeles. I, I've had family and friends say, so uh, are, are you, have you acclimated to Minnesota winters? And I say, no. <laughs> <laughs> if he, you could see he, my hand He shook his head, yes. 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 He <laughs> said no. Yeah. But I don't, I don't. Uh, you know, I've lived in two extreme climates already. I lived in 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 the Southern California desert that could get up to 120-plus degrees sure. in the summer. And then now I live in the below 50-degree winters. And I don't know if you can ever say that you can get used to it. I don't think you can.
2: <laughs> you just put clothes on.
3: Yeah. Just make sure more yeah.
2: and more clothes. Yeah, more, more
3: and
4: more clothes, yes. And thank God for heaters.
0: <laughs> yeah. So as we better understand the Latino community... Mm. H- help us know what 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 the family is like um how we how we best uh communicate and share the gospel with a latino
4: yeah thank you for that 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 question i i you know i've consulted i've been asked to consult with many elder boards and churches and organizations on how to best approach and what would be the best approach to reach others not just latinos but other people groups and my response is just be yourself. I mean, we don't have to dress it up so many ways and complicate it with methods. I think the the common language of people is a little food, some good laughter, good jokes if you have some, and um, and just love open your heart to people.
0: And so ho- hospitality is a big door opener. Uh,
4: yeah, I mean, I, I think it was Maxwell who said many many years ago. He said, you know, people won't know how much you care until they know how much you do care, right? Mm -hmm. And how much you do matter, how how much, how do you acknowledge others? And I think that's the big, big thing. Jesus put himself out there many places to many people, groups. I I think about the Samaritan woman because she would be the classic, right? You're a Jew on Samaritan, that racial systemic racism that was evident by the Jewish people and the Samaritans and that hatred and yet Jesus was able to cross that just using a simple metaphor of water. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think, you know, hey, I, I, I consulted with a church who literally had a whole community of Latinos literally across the street. And they would ask me, how can we reach to them? And I said, how much money do you have? And then they said, <laughs> oh, we don't have too much money. Well, if you have musicians, if you have some food, if you have some games, it, it just brings people together. Just sometimes it's so simple as that.
2: Mm-hmm. So we're inclined to complicate things where, where they don't necessarily need to be complicated because, you know, a mom who is white, black, Asian is, you know, desiring and loves their children as the dad and wanting to grow. And the same is in a Latino family, you know, and so there's this desire. So, so I guess like, probably likes, thanks for a collective big, like, relief of breath because I think sometimes we're thinking we need to be something super and we just need to be the once in attorney creation that we are with Jesus in us, loving people. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. That's a big one.
3: I think the last two years of what the world has gone through too. I think the hunger for all of us, regardless of your nationality or your culture is to open our doors again, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've had this amazing reset and I don't know anybody who isn't hungry for community and to try and to do things different. Mm-hmm. It's, it, you know, the invitation is going to be yes.
4: When I moved to Minnesota, um one of the first things I did is, well, they teach you, right, to be missional. And if you're going to be missional, well, you have to exegete your culture. And one of the things I, first things I did is I sat in my office in that very cold first winter of Minnesota it's like, welcome, dude. <laughs> and as I sat there, I just began to pray and, and just process the numbers. And one of the numbers I had looked into was the Pew Reports of 2010. That was the big census, and then they did another one in 2020. Um, was I discovered you had between uh, 275,000 Hispanics or Latinos living in the the uh, state of Minnesota, and that number was growing amongst the whole 50 states of the Union, uh, it was classified as the num- as the fifth fastest growing state for Hispanics or Latinos. And so New Hope, we've seen that increase. Uh, something also geographically interesting about Minnesota is when I arrived here about nine years ago, our Latino community was so scattered that we longed for that relational uh,
2: connection. Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember, uh, moving to Chicago to go to Trinity for seminary. And Tammy and I lived in a city called Waukegan, and it was, uh you know, 40% Anglo, 30% black, 30, 30% Latino. And, uh, you know, I'd grown up hearing some different, like, descriptions of Latino. And I remember, like, going to Chicago and meeting these incredible families. And there was, there was days when we'd go down to the Waukegan beach, and we're, we're sitting there and seeing all these very rich families. Um, and that we're just having this fellowship together, and just like wow, I mean, like family is a big thing, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's something we definitely can can definitely learn from one another. Mm-hmm. You're listening to the Monday afternoon mix,
0: Pastor David Miles, Rosie B, our special guest, Pablo Cachon. We're talking about the uh, gospel in the Latino community. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back. We're back with a Monday afternoon mix. Pastor David Miles, Rosie B., and our special in-studio guest, Pablo Cachon. Awfully glad to have him with us today. And when you talked about opening up your home for a little hospitality, a little food, if I invited your family to my house and I cooked, you'd leave in a hurry. <laughs> I would not your, be opening a door. Is that
2: your joke, too? No, no, <laughs> I'm just saying.
0: I'm just saying, you know, if you're going
2: to cook food,
0: you better make it appealing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not so sure I can do. Anyway, David, you had a great question for Paula.
2: Yeah, you know, um, recently with our listening family, we went over to Revelation 7-9, which talks about people from every tribe, language, nation, uh, and tongue just standing before the throne and saying salvation belongs to the Lamb. And so, you know, a real, um, you know, important thing for people in our listening family is that we, you have a number of people that are listening that have interaction relationships or going to run into someone. And so because we love Jesus and he's transformed us so much, um, what ways do you share with someone who may be coming out of a, a certain faith tradition uh, that's less focused on on salvation and, and Christ, but more so being associated with the church or doing these very right and wrong things?
4: Yeah, um, this may sound a bit redundant, but for me, it, it always starts in prayer. God, please Place me in a, in a, in a situation or allow me to cross paths with somebody who needs to hear a message of hope. So really, it's a, it's what Erwin McManus would say, let God create divine appointments. And so, um, yeah, ask, ask for those divine appointments. Secondly, um, Jesus said in the, in the great commission, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say just of one. Particular people group or, or, or this country or that other country. But he said all the nations. And I think there's something in that. The church, um, they struggled, you know, Romans chapter 14. They, it wasn't a theological struggle there. They were fighting over ham and cheese or, or cookies and, and milk or whatever. But it, it was, it was more of a pragmatic tension of cultural nuances. That scripture you cited. That cosmic vision of the heavens, of seeing all peoples, all nations, all tribes, all languages, speaks to the diversity that God desires for his people. And so if that's not a reason enough to go and make, I don't know what is.
0: I love divine appointments. Always a great reminder. Start with prayer. Ask God to place someone in your life today, and he will always
2: yeah definitely and I think one of the other beautiful things about what we're talking about and the rich opportunity that God gives us to build relationships across cultural lines is that you learn so much and your heart grows so much larger you know and it's hard when you may hear or I've heard someone say something um you know pejorative about any people group because I'm like wait a minute you know, I remember I was in Ohio and someone said something and um, Louis Martinez, who we both know, who's an incredible leader out there, guy oozes Jesus. And so when the person made this comment, I'm like, you know, one of the most godly men I know comes from this this background. And so what happens is uh, Brian Stevenson, who did Just Mercy, talks about, you know, we are needing to get proximal to one another, which is really the incarnation that Jesus put on flesh and got proximal and moved into the mm-hmm. neighbor neighborhood. And so. you
4: also see it in uh marriages. I haven't, I mean, I, it's here in Minnesota that I have a number of couples that are either married to a Latino or a Latina. And um, I always ask the question jokingly, well, how do you guys communicate? <laughs> 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 Love crosses those barriers.
3: Mm-hmm. It
4: crosses those boundaries it it helps people come together when there's real, real barriers mm-hmm. in front of them.
0: I'm learning stuff all the time. Did you know Latino was male and Latina sounds female? There you go. Do I have that uh-huh. right? Yeah. What am I learning that at this age? <laughs> I'm a slow learner.
3: <laughs> there's always there's always time for all of us to pick up a few lessons, right? So yeah. Pablo, what I what I love what I'm hearing is in the whole of this. To cross those barrier lines it 's really love and to open yourself up in hospitality, and then god and invite God into the appointment. Mm-hmm. you know sometimes I think we get in our heads so big, you know like we mm-hmm. ask what are we going to say next? How are we going to open this door? This is my motive, this is the direction i 'm going versus just open your door, bring something to eat, and mm-hmm. let conversation relationships start, regardless if it's whether it's Latino or Hmong or mm-hmm. where or whoever you are, you know. So maybe your gift is to a Caucasian. So it's just, I just love the simpleness of this and trusting God to bring the opportunity forth once you have relationship.
4: Sounds like the great commandment, right? It does, doesn't it? Right. Love but... God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, your strength, and love others as yourself. And, yeah. then, and then Jesus would say, right, on on these things, right, on this principle, on this commandment, all of the prophets and the law. Mm -hmm. is founded and grounded.
0: I love that. Very interesting. Pablo Cachon is our guest, and we're talking about the gospel in the Latino community and in the ministry that he he has been uh, gifted by God to do. And Pablo, you had an interesting experience when you were a young 15-year-old boy in Los Angeles where you almost lost your life. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, a disclaimer. I never got jumped into a gang, so I'm not a gangster okay. in my past. I've always been a wannabe. Wannabe gangster? A wannabe gangster. <laughs> okay. By association, because they were all my friends, rival gangs. Mm. We all grew up together. Mm. We played kickball, softball, football, parks and recreations. And they we went off to their other. gangs and you stayed out of it. I, I stayed out of it. Okay. But by association, because these are my friends, right? I, I was brought into the... Uh, the violence of gang warfare, and I was shot uh, as part of a a rival dispute amongst gangs that were both my friends, and I just got caught in the middle of it. Hmm. Yes, I I was shot, part of a group that was shot with a shotgun, so today I can go get an x-ray, and I light up like a Christmas tree. Because you... Because I still have the pellets in my body. Really? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I'm so glad that you're here. Me I'm too. so glad. My wife is too. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, uh, Pablo, I want to say I'm very encouraged by your simple message of prayer, asking for divine appointments, and showing hospitality. Again, we're reminded, and David, you had said that, let's not overcomplicate things.
2: Yeah, to not overcomplicate it. And I remember when uh, when I was in Fargo at India Shoe, and my pastor just making and, and a person working with international ma- ministry said many international students many people are coming whether it's from Russia Ukraine whether it's from Bolivia whether it's from you know Singapore that a number of people coming over had never had a, a meal in someone else's home so simply um, sitting down and open your heart because as Pablo noted earlier, John chapter four, not only did Jesus talk about water at the well, but later in the chapter, he actually goes to the village mm-hmm. and shares a meal and stays for more than one day. And what does the woman exclaim? I believe not because I heard these things, but because I, or the people said, I don't believe because she said it, but because we've experienced it for ourselves.
0: Pablo, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been a delight. Mine too. All right. It's been All a right. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.